0: But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says do not be
1: afraid. And the voice of truth says this is for my glory. Out of all the voices
0: calling out to me, I
1: will choose to. Voice of Truth Radio, you're listening to Mike Gazinger, State Senator, Pastor Brian Leversey on the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Welcome, folks. You're listening to the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So, folks, we're going to be talking about culture, history, current events, having vigorous and robust discussions. Uh, by the way, Voice of Truth Radio Show, we're on every Thursday at 5 o'clock, Saturday, Saturday at 3 o'clock, and uh, we broadcast, uh, we record weekly podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger, email radiovoiceoftruth at gmail.com. So thanks for tuning in, folks. We are excited to have you every week. And, uh, Pastor, how you been? I'm doing great. Good? We,
0: Good. I think we need to build an ark or something, the way it's been raining lately, though.
1: It has been. And uh, the the grass is really green. <laughs> it and is. And then it, then it, then the... Uh,
0: and it's green on my side of the fence, for once. Yeah, you know, hey, so the, there you the go. The grass is always green on the other side, and now it's on, on my, my side. one of my favorite
1: verses, is the <laughs> grass is always green.
0: <laughs> Second opinions to verse one. Are you
1: having your house painted? Because you used I a am. painting illustration in, in your sermon Yes, Sunday, and... Uh, um, I happened to drive by your house on the way here, and uh, I didn't throw the eggs. The eggs were – or I don't – TP. Uh, I've grown out of that. But uh, it's always fun. It's always fun getting your house painted. But it's looking as very As long nice. as you're not the one painting. As long as you get to hire somebody. That's right. So I used to be a painter. I've done a lot of painting. But um, anyway, so we got uh, we got a great show, folks, and we're getting some, some good feedback out there from uh, folks who are listening in. And uh, that's exciting. We're glad to, we're glad to hear compliments. We'll take all that we can get because, hey, look, uh, we joke around a lot, a lot on the show, but uh, we're serious about
0: it. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of serious things to talk about. And there are. And I think it's a unique perspective that there's a radio program that will filter all of these important issues through Scripture.
1: Yeah, a biblical perspective Yeah. because what other perspective matters? None. Doesn't matter what I think or what you think or what anybody thinks— it matters what God says and what God thinks, and that's how we need to learn to think mm. about everything, right. right? So we'll be good then. So I got a couple of—we're uh, uh, going to go a little lighthearted in the introductory segment. Um, so I'm going to throw a couple things at you, Pastor. Uh, then, by the way, we're going to talk about critical race theory again in the next segment. This will be good, folks. I'm going to explain it um, uh, That in a way that will make clear, and I'm going to explain. uh, We're going to take some stories that have been happening, Mm. so people will say, "Hey, this what's what's going on here?" And we're going to say, we're going to show that this is critical race theory. This is why our our culture is breaking down, and we're going to make it. uh, I, I got a great article by a guy by a guy named Christopher Rufo. And it it explains it in probably the best way I've seen it. So we'll we'll break that down in the second segment, third segment. We're going to talk about uh, George, uh, the uh, uh, inauguration of George Washington, his uh, his first one, and uh, this is by a guy named a gal named Tara Ross. And uh, so on April thirtieth was the. The anniversary, I don't know how many, but of his inauguration, which was a phenomenal event. Washington was a great man. And sadly, the only thing that our kids, our citizens in general, know about Washington hey, he had wooden teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing. And it's, it's, a I've seen thing. his wooden teeth. Actually, they weren't wooden, they were actually made of a different kind of, uh, some kind of uh, ivory or something like that. But he had one tooth that, uh, here I am. Ragging on people for doing that. Now I'm going to talk about it. He had one tooth that they left to put, so he could put these "quote unquote" dentures in, and in, uh, and so he had a way to anchor them in his in his mouth. Boy, I bet they were comfortable? Yeah, they were not. They had loose <laughs> springs, and they were. But Washington uh, was was maybe the greatest American to this day, hmm. and he he had a character that that every every boy in America should. Uh, should learn so he can understand how to be a man, mm-hmm. uh, because we don't do that anymore because it's politically incorrect, and every girl, uh, obviously, too. I mean, he was the father of America. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about his inauguration, and maybe one day we'll do a, a whole hour mm-hmm. on Washington, because Americans uh, uh, should know about Washington, and yeah. and and they and we don't. All right, so here we go, Pastor. I, I uh, And then the last, uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, we're going to do our regular etiquette Yes, uh, seg- segment. It's more
0: convicting than the Bible.
1: <laughs> it's, it's awful. <laughs> Why do we do this to ourselves? But uh, so we got we got a list of fifty. I got this article from oh, a Town and Country magazine, something like that, and we got 50, 50 rules of etiquette, which are are good. They're all good. They're not the PC you know, stuff. So we'll we'll start at, I think, number uh, 11 or 16. I forget where we are, but we'll figure it out. All right. So I ran into this story. This is really fascinating. So I said, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to fit this in somehow. I got two different stories that really don't relate, but uh, there's a—the uh, a, chairman of judiciary in the Senate— He said he is always stuffing bills into other bills that don't really relate. So that's where I got this idea. So I'm going to blame him. (laughs) If
0: he can do it, you can
1: do it. If he can do it, I can do it. Amazon rolls out pay-by-palm at Whole Foods near their headquarters. Amazon is rolling out pay-by-palm technology at some Whole Foods grocery stores near its headquarters to make paying quicker and more convenient. It lets shoppers scan the palm of their hand— Pastor, are you listening? to hear me? I'm, you. I'm watching your eyes to see what you think. I'm hearing you. Scan the palm of their hand and connect it to a credit card or Amazon account. So Revelation talks about um, the mark of the beast in our hand and in our mm-hmm. forehead, right? Mm-hmm. So are we seeing um, are we seeing the early stages of that or the preparation of that?
0: Well wow, I, I don't know how you can't at least make that connection, you know, and this is the reality of the situation. I don't want to go too far in the weeds on this thing, but, but, but I I think it's good that we think about these things when they pop up like this from a biblical perspective. And there's really not a need in my opinion for there to be, uh, something on your body in order to make some kind of transaction. I mean, we already have the technology in a card. I have the technology on my watch or in my phone, where I can just swipe that piece of technology and it can make a payment with those card readers. So what they're really trying to do, I think, through this, is they're trying to normalize biotechnology. And they want people to start feeling comfortable with that kind of technology being imprinted on their physical person. And the problem that I have with that is our bodies are image-bearing. In other words, you know, people talk to me about, and listen, I really don't want to go too far afoot with this, but they've talked to me about, tattoos and certain markings and different things like this and you know it always goes back to me even in our apparel and in our modesty is that our bodies are an image bearing um, message for God mm. we're created in the image of God That's and a, and great a lot point. of and a lot of times when we're messing with our identity and we're bringing and incorporating, certain things about us, and we want to proclaim us more than we want to proclaim God, Hmm. there's a certain aspect of rebellion that goes along with that. And so um, for me, I think this fits directly into what ultimately is going to be the Antichrist's purpose, because he doesn't need the technology to be on the body but he wants the image to be on the body because he wants to replace the image of god it's actually going to be more than just the convenience of paying for things or doing business the whole purpose of the mark i believe is worship you are proclaiming your worship and until you exalt him as being god you're not going to be able to buy sell or whatever now we see that, <laughs> look what you opened, look what you opened, Mike, I blame you, I blame you. I, I will take the blame. But, but I think you see this already with some of the panic that's gone on with the pandemic where, you know, our image is being, intru- you know, there's an intrusion there, you know, with the mask, with mm. the um, with the passport that we're going to end up having to have for the vaccination and, and trying to, I've, I've heard, you know, different rumors about that needing to be visible on your body and different things. To me, this is all kind of coming together with this biotechnology to fit right into what we're told in Revelation concerning this mark. Because of it
1: does say that, look, you can't buy or sell without the mark. Correct. You can't buy or sell without the mask in Correct. many places, in many instances. Uh, but uh, uh, but Revelation does say, and, and you made you made the point um, that's that is pertinent. That uh, look, if whoever takes the mark of the beast, and I'm not saying this is the mark of the right. beast, no, this, no, no, this no. Whole Food thing, no. or, or anything that's going on right now is the right. mark of the beast. No. But I am saying that in Revelation, God does say, when you take the mark of the beast, you've, you've sealed your doom. Correct. You, you are hell-bound.
0: So there's more to it than just buying and selling. So sun.
1: it is worship, right? Yes. It is a rejection of God. And an embracing a, of the Antichrist. And an embracing of... Satan, the Antichrist. All right, so let's segue into this, uh, because these two really don't go together, (laughs) but I'm going to make them fit. Remember when you were a kid, you tried to get the square peg into the round hole? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I'm about to do. All right, so...
0: Get your hammer out.
1: You have $1.6 billion uh, uh, community that they're about to build. This is um, more than a decade after the housing market crisis. You have... uh, a subdivision full of abandoned mansions. These are like homes that are 2.1 Two point one million. Uh, no, no, they're not. That's a, that's a lie. So anyway, this is a. This was supposed to be a one point six billion dollar resort community. If you see the pictures I sent you up, uh, yeah, they're very uh, like, dystopian oh, looking. <laughs> they are. So they got these big, huge homes that look like um, they look like they've been sitting there for ten years, <laughs> and that's what the case, right? Yep. So they've been sitting there and just falling apart. It was going to have one of the country's largest water parks, golf courses, hotel. Uh, conference centers, shopping, etc. Et but instead, it turned into a ghost town when the 2008 housing crisis hit. So people went to prison and the whole deal on this. And you see this if you want to see it, folks. It's a New York Post article. This isn't uh, National Enquirer stuff. This is a true story. It's scale. the real deal. It's the real deal. And these big old houses and this huge com- community that was supposed to go up one point six billion dollars in Branson. Uh, Tennessee we've heard of Branson that's like uh kind of the uh pseudo uh Nashville now it's becoming Nashville. So anyway, I I'm, I'm just looking here here's the only thing I thought about this, you know. You're looking at these huge homes in this big old community that they were about to build with all these shopping with everything mm-hmm. else. And it's dust now. Yeah. It's 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 nothing but uh something that you drive by and it gives you the shivers. Remember uh whenever God would uh Proclaim judgment on on Israel, which he did several times. He would say, "People will pass by and look at you all and shake their head and, yeah. uh, and, sh- and have a shiver up the spine." Yeah. Well, this is kind of what this is like. This is like one point six billion dollars, and it doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter. It matters none, and that's what uh, that's what will happen when we die to all our goods. And I got a big old big old library. The hardest thing for me, in terms of looking t- uh, towards my death, is uh I won't be able to take my library with me. I have like thirteen hundred books that I put way too much money and in, in time into. Uh, my children won't miss me. Well, they will, but uh, my books will miss me. I think. But, <laughs> but uh, we can't. We can't take stuff with me. The only thing I care about is is my library in terms of material things. Obviously, you know, you love your your wife and kids, and I do very much. She but appreciates
0: but, you saying that. <laughs> yeah, she would appreciate me
1: getting rid of my library. That's what she would appreciate. All right, so uh, we are done for this segment. We're going to. How did I do with that segue into the billion-dollar? Uh,
0: if people can't figure out how that fit together, there's no helping them. It's, at not, this it's point. not
1: my. It's, it's not, not my your fault. fault. You did All everything right, you could. Exactly can. right. All right. So we'll come back with critical race theory. You're listening to A Voice of Truth Radio. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show, and I'm your host, State Senator Mike Kazinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversy. How are you folks doing out there? Thanks so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We're going to do a second segment here on Critical Race Theory. Now, don't turn off the radio. Don't fall asleep. Don't let those eyes roll in the back of your head, uh, because like, I, I can do that sometimes. But this, I'm going to make it... Uh, um, Understandable, Pastor. We're going to do it in a way that uh, I think will help people, because uh, because I think folks are seeing stuff in the news, and we're going to say, okay, this is why this stuff in the news is happening. This is this is the root cause of it. Um, the root cause of it is we've 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 uh, kicked God mm. out of the culture. That's yeah. the root cause. That is why I was listening to I listened to Mark uh, Mark Levin on my walk. Uh, I walk about four times a night. And uh, I go at ten o'clock because that's when his podcast downloads. Mm. So I listen to him, and he's got a new book out. I'm I'm gonna get you the book if Mm. if if I've already ordered a copy for me. But you would. It's called American Marxism, and and it sounds really good. But anyway, he's not. He's a Jewish guy, very intelligent. But he's he's asking people to call into the show and say what's the main problem with America. He doesn't hardly ever do that. He really takes calls because he's got a brain that he can fill three hours himself. But uh, first two are the kind of, you know, your, your common complaint. And then somebody, a guy says, I keep waiting for this. He said, the problem is that uh, we're a godless society. Hmm. That's what we are now. And that's it. that is the problem you and I understand that, and I think a lot of our listeners understand that, but uh, Americans need to understand that god uh is the reason uh that we are blessed or not blessed blessed right. is the nation whose God is the lord that's it yeah. if, you, if 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 your God isn't the Lord, then your nation isn't blessed. That's right. All right? He's the uh, the God of gods. All right, so let me read just a couple of headlines, some things that, have, that are going on that people will probably have seen. Um, the narcissistic cult of woke has taken over the CIA. The CIA. So our Central Intelli- Intelligence Agency. I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs because this is wild. The CIA released a recruitment video. This is their recruitment video in March that's just starting to receive some much-needed attention. The video proves the CIA not only kneels in fealty before the culture of woke, uh, the cult of woke, it also proves the CIA is hiring and actively looking to recruit the most immodest, narcissistic, Grotesquely self serving, this is, is this me they're talking about, or is this a, <laughs> they need to back off. Uh, the most immodest, narcissistic, grotesquely self serving people in the world, woke millennials. Let me just read one more paragraph. The recruitment video of the CIA, this video features a preening, unnamed narcissist who literally struts around preaching about how awesome she is how proud she is of herself, not because of her accomplishments, but because of something she has no control over, her identity, her race, her gender, her sexuality, which is cisgender. I don't remember which one that is. And even, get this, her generalized anxiety disorder. All right, so that's the CIA. That is their recruitment video. It's going woke. It's going uh, critical race theory. Teachers told to give... Fake curriculum to parents who complain of indoctrination. All right, Pastor. So these parents are complaining about indoctrination, which is happening. And uh, the teachers, uh, I'm not sure what state this is in Missouri, the teachers are told to give them fake uh, curriculum. Hmm. Lie to them about what they're being taught. Here's another one. Parents Magazine promotes book for children based on Abram X. This is a, he's a he's a big uh, CRT guy. Uh, Parents Magazine promotes this, this book, by, and we're going to talk about him for a second. Ibram X. Kendi. He's a big critical race theory guy, and it's in Parents Magazine. Hmm. Parents Magazine. Uh, all right, so now there's a little pushback out there too, Pastor, so we're not going to be all negative here, but get to that in just a second. Here's one, The Daily Caller. Which is uh, uh, what's his name's uh, magazine? Why would you want to join something where people hate you? Police departments struggle with shortages. Shortages. These police departments can't get people. to, Well, I wonder why. Why? And, and, and this this is an actual quote. Why would you want to join something where people hate you? Yeah. Right. All right. So uh, we're almost there. Resistance begins. Here's some resistance to critical race theory. Uh, state bans Marxist critical race theory in public schools. So who's the first state to do it? Idaho. Hmm. Idaho just passed okay. a ban in their, uh, and the governor signed it. So that's law. Um, Texas Senate passes ban on critical race theory. That's in the news also. Um, now, how about this one? Florida, where they have a, a stud governor. This hmm. is governor Ron DeSantis. He said this: teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not, worthy, uh, is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. Hmm. That's called leadership. Yep. That's called courage. I'm going to read that again. This is Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. What's he talking about? He's talking about critical race theory, and he puts it brilliantly in this one little phrase, uh, it teaches kids to hate their country and it teaches it teaches kids to hate each other. Hmm. So, we're going to uh we're just going to move along here. Just give us uh 10 minutes here folks. The article or the uh speech there's there's a uh a, a monthly uh newsletter of sorts that comes out and I've gotten this I've, I've, I've got it's free. Uh I've gotten it for like probably 20 years and and uh, uh it's, it's some of them. They're all good. I used to read every one, but uh, they're all good. Some of them are extraordinary. This one, um, I would, I would put between good and extraordinary. This is a very, very good one, and it's called Critical Race Theory, what it is and how to fight it. So I'm just gonna read a couple paragraphs here, Pastor, and uh, uh, so uh, you just chime in when you, uh, when you want. Critical Race Theory is fast becoming America's New Institutional Orthodoxy. The first verse I thought of was Psalm 74-4 where they set up ensigns for signs. They're replacing the the uh, patriotic orthodoxy that we've had uh, for forever, and it's taken some hits in the last 50 years, but, but uh, critical race theory is all about sticking all that in the blender and putting it on high speed in terms of uh, patriotism and love of country, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. It is about destroying it. Yet most Americans have never heard of it, and those who have, many don't understand it. It's time for this to change. We need to know what it is so we can uh, know how to fight it. So Marxist, the Marxist left... Um, Build its this uh, politi- political program CRT on the theory of class con- conflict, Pastor. So we've we've talked about class class conflict and where it comes from. It comes from Marx, Marx. Uh, wanted to create the uh, uh, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat and have these two conflict against each other. And he thought the Industrial Revolution would bring that about and that the workers of the world unite and would rise up and, and break their chains and, and and take over from the bourgeoisie. But it never happened because the Industrial Revolution created this giant middle class of perfectly content people, especially in America, where they're saying, hey, this America thing is cool. It's a good deal. But, uh, but Marxism hasn't died because Marxism is rooted in a satanic philosophy, mm-hmm. and Satan hasn't gone away either. So, so, this, uh, so these, these Marxists of, uh, of the 60s uh, tried to, to infuse their Marxism into the whole 60s revolution, and America didn't go for it at that time either. But but 20th, but the twentieth century, uh, uh, there was there was a huge growth of Marxism. The Soviet Union became a a communist country, a Marxist country. China, Cambodia, Cuba, and on and on. So you had you, just these countries alone. You had a hundred million people slaughtered or who starved to death. Um, I remember the stories of these these farmers. You know, the, the, the Stalin would would. Would create conflict with uh, amongst these family farmers, and uh, he would go in and he would he would he would s- just steal their farms, and they would just uh, wander around eating bark off of trees, just trying to find something to eat. That's Marxism. Uh, in practice, Marx's ideas unleashed man's darkest brutalities. Hmm. That's the author. He said that. I'm going to read that again because that's a phenomenal quote. Yeah. Uh, In practice, Marx's ideas unleashed man's darkest brutalities. Mm.
0: Well, we have to remember, too, that this is a man who considered religion— an enemy of the people, and, and this is where you descend to when you grab onto a philosophy like that, is you have to eliminate God from the equation. That's the, that's the danger behind this. I mean, we can talk about different political systems, we can talk about um, you know different social structures, but the reality of the baseline of this Marxist agenda and this critical race theory is the removal of God, because where you have God, you have no respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. Mm-hmm. And what happens with critical race theory and Marxism is, you do you have this divis- this divisive philosophy that's meant to respect certain persons not because of their character, not because they were created by God, not because they have independent agency and free will that God has granted them, but because of what their skin color is, how they've evolved, because evolution is a big part of this too. Evolution yep. is the is the foundation of all. You know what we would call racism today because it pits uh, you against others to try to have a survival of the fittest. And what's interesting about this is all the people that are proponents of this stuff like to claim that they're not racist. And they're the most racist people that exist in the world. And that's why they're engendering the strife in our culture today. You don't hear the average American citizen who's working a job, believes in God, prays, goes to church with all different colors of people, all different social, economic... We don't have this in church. We don't have this no, in, no. You know, this isn't even a deal. This isn't no. anything. Who's bringing this to the forefront? It's all of those in political influence who have a agenda of socialist Marxism and the removal of God from culture, and that's why you have this breakdown right now that's going on.
1: And by the way, Marx was a big fan of... Uh, uh, of Darwin, yeah. Marx, Marx was a fan of Darwin. Read Darwin, and these two go hand in hand. Uh, so, so Marx has this economic dialectic, uh, is what the author calls it, of capitalists and workers. You have the bourgeoisie and the the proletariat, and vetting them against each other. And uh, so, what 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 these modern radicals have done is they've substituted the economic part, the, uh, the and the, the the class part. For for race, mm-hmm. okay, and and pitting the white folks against all other minorities, mm-hmm. and making us to hate each other and causing strife, and it's it's uh, certainly not of God. Let me just let me just uh, hit a paragraph here um, to help under, help us understand it. Critical race theory is an academic discipline formulated in the 1990s, built on the intellectual framework. Of identity-based Marxism, so this is this is a fairly recent uh, philosophy, 1990s, and it it was a an academic discipline. These these are academics that sat around at Harvard and came up with this idea because they didn't feel like the they feel that they had lost the momentum from a lot of the radical '60s stuff that had gone on. Um, a great book called "Destructive Generation" by David Horowitz, where he talks about uh, a lot of the bombings in the '60s and the and the killings and these these uprisings. Well, these were Marxists, okay? These were Marxists trying to implement. Marxism into a 60s culture that was and there's no gods so it was a it was a, a radical revelation revolution, a sexual revolution and it it overturned our culture our cultural mores so that we've not been the same since then and critical race theory uh, that kind of died out America kind of starting to get back to normal in some ways and these these uh, academics at Harvard Said, ah, man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep this going. We we, we've got to get back on, back in the game. And uh, so, critical race theory is is taking root, and uh, just like these stories we read, this hatred of the police that's that's Marxism, critical Mm -hmm. race theory. This uh, teaching it, it's being taught in government, in the government. It's being taught in our schools. It's it's just becoming systemic throughout the culture.
0: And it's getting into the workforce. I mean, I have uh, people all the time emailing me, sending me pictures of the indoctrination that's taking place right in their cubicle in their offices. They have to go through certain training programs to teach them about their privileged position and why their whiteness is offensive to other people. And all of this stuff, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like this is some kind of theoretical thing that exists out there that only a few people are grabbing onto and talking about. This is invading every aspect of our culture. And I just got to be honest with you, and and I don't know if you have this feeling or not as well, I don't remember hearing about this even last year. Mm. Like last year, there wasn't any talk of this. This is how fast this stuff is happening right now. Right. I mean, it's just lightning speed.
1: It is. It's it's going at... uh growing exponentially you may have heard about it because this the author of this article uh christopher rufo r-u-f-o uh he's the guy that you may have seen him on fox news and uh he was talking about this and trump to his great credit said uh, but did an executive order and said you can't teach this in government Mm -hmm. the governments can't teach this first thing first day Biden gets in office. first day, he overturns that executive order of Trump, and they're teaching it. uh,
0: Yeah. That's how quick that happened. I mean, under Trump, you weren't hearing about it. He put a stop to it. But now, the floodgates are open, and it's popping up everywhere. And
1: you know, uh, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. And so you have a vacuum uh, where, look— you know not to be hyper spiritual but but we don't t- teach god anymore we don't teach the golden rule anymore we uh, you know we we don't teach the 10 commandments and so on so so there's got to be some kind of system of 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 uh, rules and so on that is being taught so it's going to be something and it's going to be either what god says or man says so the fbi here's an example the fbi was holding workshops on intersectionality Theory. That's just another name for it. Another uh, segment of it. The Department of Han- Homeland Security was telling white employees they were committing micro inequities. All right. So the FBI, <laughs> oh, the Department of ha- Homeland uh, uh, Homeland Security and Education. He has examples. This guy, uh, the author of this article, he said, I'm just one investigative journalist, journalist, but I've developed a database of more than 1,000 of these stories. When I say that critical race theory is becoming the operating ideology of our public institutions, all of our public institutions, it's not an exaggeration from the universities to bureaucracies to K-12 through systems. Critical race theory has permeated the collective intelligence and decision-making process of American government with no sign of slowing down. You
0: know what's scary about that, too, is you were mentioning, you know, as we were leading into this conversation about how in the uh, academia they were trying to camouflage or hide the curriculum. And we saw that come to the forefront during this time where uh, schools weren't meeting in person. And, uh, not, not every teacher, I don't want to paint with a, a broad brush here. I know we've got really good teachers that are, are standing up for the right thing where they're at right now, but there was this big overflow of teachers that didn't want parents in the room while they were learning online and, uh, yeah. behind closed doors. And some of these videos made it on YouTube. I watched several of them where the teachers were saying, if we, if the parents know what we're teaching the kids, then they're going to try to intervene on that to the damage of the children. This is the view of our education system today is they have the right and even the obligation and even the moral calling in their mind to condition and educate our children. And now we know this is one of the vehicles that they're trying to program our kids with.
1: This year, I produced another series of reports focused on critical race theory in education. Uh, Just to confirm your point, Pastor, in in Cupertino, California, an elementary school forced first graders to deconstruct their racial and sexual identities and rank themselves according to power, to their power and privilege. And so he goes on, Springfield, Missouri, Philadelphia. Uh, Here's one, Philadelphia, an elementary school forced fifth graders to celebrate, quote unquote, black communism and simulate a black power rally to free 1960s radical Angela Davis from prison where she had once been Held on on murder charges. She's a murderer, and she's out. By the way, Seattle, uh, a school district, told white teachers that they are guilty of "quote unquote" spirit murder, and this and on and on it goes with the with in the in the government institution. These bureaucracies, like the uh, the uh, Homeland Security, FBI, and and everyone, um, all, all of them are being trained. This this is. Indoctrination, and it's happening in the schools too, just like these uh, these articles uh, or these examples that that I just gave you.
0: Yeah, it's it's that's ugly. I mean, how could any? I, I don't even know people who disagree with me on many on, on quite a few things politically who'd allow their children to participate in exercises like that if they knew it was going on.
1: Critical race theorists must be confronted with and forced to speak the facts. And then how do we fight it? How do we engage it? Um, and this guy has some some good ideas uh but uh he said we got to confront and force uh force them to to face the facts they have to own up to what they're doing hmm. and he makes a couple good points here and, I'll, and I'll, we'll, we'll close with this but uh first of all uh ask him questions like do they support their public schools separating first graders into groups of oppressors and oppressed. So these are examples of things that are going on. Okay, okay, folks, do you, it's a do you take on?
0: That? It's a different take on Red Rover, right?
1: <laughs> I guess so. Red
0: Rover, Red Rover, let the privileged come over. Yes, and then they got to break through the walls of oppression. To...
1: <laughs> you sound like you might be. At, uh, <laughs> you I've taught one of these classes. Huh? Do they support mandatory curricula teaching that, quote, all white people play a part in the in perpetuating Systemic racism. Do they support public schools instructing white parents to become white traders, quote unquote, and advocate for white abolition, quote unquote, and and so on? Uh, Some managers and workplaces and, and uh in uh, American workplaces and places and bureaucracies and so on. So, uh, folks got to start uh, challenging this stuff, and uh, we have to. We have to fill the void, that vacuum, uh, with with uh, with the Word of God.
0: This is the danger I'm seeing. People think that they have to do these things. They do. I mean, think about what's happened, even during, um, you know. And I hate to use this. I know there's been a lot of uh, division that has taken place, and I'm I'm certainly not wanting to stoke the flames of that. But people feel like they have to do everything that they're told to do. Like mm-hmm. even through this pandemic. Oh there's an executive order here or there's a mandate here or right. there's something here and right. I have to do this thing now. And and before long, we just do every little thing that we're told without any pushback, without any uh, conversation, without any research of our own. And this is what this kind of stuff leads to. And I, I tell you, I think this is true. I think there's a lot of people in fear over their jobs, in fear over their social standing, in fear over um, the, what might happen to them uh, economically, if they push back on this stuff,
1: well, we've seen that happen. We've seen people fired. We've seen uh, we've seen people humiliated uh, publicly, and there are consequences that that can happen. I mean, if you lose your job, you lose your uh, you know how are you going to make your mortgage payment? Yeah. How are you making your car payment? How you you know that's a serious serious mm. thing, and that is happening. Do you think so, this
0: is a way that the government is starting to edge its way into the control? Of people in their finances is by capturing some of these corporations with this ideology and almost forcing them into this ideology to retain their jobs?
1: I think that the people running the corporations are woke already. I think they're coming from these schools where they're being taught this. And you've got a a whole generation of of millennials and and, and Generation X and, and Z coming up who are who are you know for lack of a better word they're marinated in this they're and they're becoming more and more but uh, uh, I think I used to think man are they just are they just cowing to the pressure in these corporations like Nike and all these other corporations that are are bowing to. To the wokeness of it, even even these uh, um, major league baseball, the NBA, they're they're all they all just bow, mm. they all cave like dominoes. It's mm. it's stunning to watch, and I'm thinking, are they all cowards? Well, I think a lot of them are cowards, mm. but I think a lot of them are also uh, woke themselves. They agree with CRT. I, I think so. Hey,
0: churches are too. I know there are segments right now of uh, even the Southern Baptist Convention that uh, are kind of up in arms and and splintering a little bit over these issues of wokeness and um, social justice issues and critical race theory and uh, some very prominent pastors even in the movement have adopted a lot of this uh, philosophy and have marinated it into their theology and kind of muddied the waters of scripture with it as well i mean this is getting really dangerous even from a spiritual theological church type perspective if,
1: and and judgment has to begin at the house of god yeah. you know one thing I, one thing i learned and we're going we're going to cut out of here in just a sec but one thing i learned I've been in politics a long time, even before I was in office, uh, just different campaigns, and I've followed it since I was a teenager. Um, But you can can look at a list. uh, Get get out the book of a list of legislators in whatever state uh, or D.C., whoever they are. You can look at what church they go to, and you can tell— where they'll be on the spectrum of, of liberal to conservative. Mm-hmm. Because what is what is preached behind the pulpit affects the way that you mm-hmm. vote. And that could be for the legislator or it could be for the average citizen who votes on Election Day. I mean, if you're being taught from the pulpit, that's why I like sitting under your your preaching, not to flatter here I... I, I uh, it's the last compliment I would do <laughs> for today, and maybe for next week too. You promised ten. <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> but uh, hey, look—you know, I, I want a—I want my family under preaching uh, that is unafraid, unvarnished, and—and and, uh, that's that's why we go. To Fellowship Baptist Church, the violins playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out of here, folks. We will be right back. Don't go away. We're not out of here for good. We're going to talk about, talk about George Washington next segment and uh, the inauguration because it was uh, it was an anniversary on April 30th. This is a good little piece. You'll enjoy this. Then we'll get we're going to finish it out with the etiquette stuff. You're listening to Voice of Truth Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Your host, State Senator Mike Gazinger, and my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey, pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. And uh, so last segment, we're talking about George Washington and his inauguration. So his anniversary was on uh, the 30th. Uh, thank you, I dropped my paper there. Uh, on the 30th of April, which was what, last week. And uh, this guy named Tara Ross, she's on Facebook. She does these these uh, political... Uh, or, uh, history american history stuff she talked about the inauguration and it's really a fascinating uh, pomp and circumstance it was a very heavy thing it was very serious washington was a very serious man he he didn't he wasn't the type to uh, joke around there's a there's story about uh, uh, washington was they were at a house i forget what it was and there was some other founding fathers there and a couple of the founding fathers uh, one of them said to the other uh, it may have been Hancock, but I don't remember. But he said, hey, well, watch this. I'm going to go over to Washington. I'm going to pat him on the back and say, hey, how you doing? Because you didn't do that to Washington. <laughs> so <laughs> the guy walks over. He pats Washington on the back. Hey, how you doing, General? And, Gen- and General Washington stopped and stared right into his eyes. And didn't say a word. <laughs> and the guy said later, "I would have rather have been whipped with chains than to have to go through that again." Washington was a very serious uh, man, but he was also a very humble uh, man, and had a a, a very uh, uh, he had a, a warm heart in in many ways. So so the. Inauguration was in New York City because there there was no D.C. back then. Uh, D.C. hadn't been created yet. And uh, so people in New York, they awoke with the salute of uh, 13 guns and church bells. And uh, some of the folks attended prayer services in the morning. Got to remember, this isn't modern-day America. These folks back then had just come out of the Great Awakening, and the the, uh, American Revolution had just been successful. And so they proceeded to Federal Hall about half past noon. So Washington, this this gal, you know, you have history written by a gal. They they write differently than men. So she said, "Okay, this is what he wore." <laughs> men, we would think.
0: I like the color of the uniform. Yes, exactly.
1: So Washington was was very fastidious in his uniform. He he uh, he always was dressed to the nines and and very formal uh but he he wanted to wear something american so he just had like a, a brown suit on but i mean it was it was very nice and very uh very uh not fancy but but very appropriate for the, for the the uh occasion so um washington traveled to federal hall past throngs of people into a, in a coach drawn by four horses once he arrived john adams the vice president said to washington sir the senate and the house of representatives are ready to attend you to the oath required by the Constitution. So the Constitution says exactly what you say. It will be administered by the Chancellor of the State of New York. And Washington said, I'm ready to proceed. So he follows Adams. They go uh, to a balcony overlooking Wall Street and Broad Street, and uh, just thousands and thousands of people there, and Washington's bowing to them and and uh, and uh, very courteous to them so a bible had been obtained for the occasion and it was on the table nearby so they had a they had a bible washington takes the oath and after he takes the ho- the oath the pastor he adds so help me god that's mm. not in the constitutional you you hear that now every president says so help me god and washington even Uh, put the Bible to his lips, and Hmm. kissed him. Now, that was somewhat customary back then. I think it was custom back then, but he he kissed the Bible. That wasn't in the Constitution either. Obviously, he didn't have to kiss the Bible, but he put his hand, and uh, he made a commitment, or uh, he he did the uh, uh, oath of office, bends forward, and kisses the Bible. Mm-hmm. Isn't that quintessentially the American? Washington, the first man, he set, he set a lot of customs uh, up, and, and one was, was the Bible uh, as, on, as an oath, and to say, so help me God. And he kissed the Bible, and i don 't think they still do that today but but he had a reverence for the Bible. Yeah. he was a a godly man, and mm-hmm. his mother was a very godly woman by the way she had a a place where she went and prayed every morning mm-hmm. and, with, and took her Bible and prayed and, and that's that 's the influence that george washington was uh, was ra- raised under
0: boy, you wish that we had some some of that influence in our our uh, statesmen today
1: you do indeed, and uh, that 's what we need more than anything in Washington uh washington was a, a great great man, so uh, one senator wrote this great man was agitated embarrassed more than ever um he was he was he was like a, a little kid in some ways he was he was he trembled and several times could scarce make out to read uh though it must be supposed that he'd often read it before so uh he so the 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 cannons went off and the muskets and so on, and he was ki- he was kind of Nervous and, and embarrassed, and a little bit scared. So here's a guy who's on the battlefield. Washington was was just a, a voracious uh, lover of of the of the whole ordeal. He was a a great warrior. People don't understand. He was he was just a a lion on the battlefield. So here he is taking the oath and and he's a little bit scared and nervous and all that it's kind of it's kind of uh, of sweet to see. But Washington uh was a a great man a uh, a man who loved God. Our 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 citizens don't know enough about Washington. Mm. And uh he was the first the first American, the father of the country. And,
0: and unfortunately because of what we just talked about in the last segment, critical race theory and deconstructionism uh in, in our history, we, d- we hear more about, oh, he owned slaves. And so we don't get to see any of the good things that uh, he had in his character. And we're going to tear down the statues and we're going to burn the history books and not let you know of what type of amazing man this was, our first president of the United States.
1: And that he was. He was an amazing – we'll do uh, more on Washington because the American people and our listeners uh, need to understand mm. – who he was? I, I've read uh, a number of books on on Washington, and the the most important thing to do is, is to read Christian authors because if you don't read Christian authors on uh, on the founding fathers, they, they just I don't know if they do it on purpose. I think some of it is that, but they 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 expunge any any uh, reference to their their Christianity yeah. and their love of God. And Washington uh, Washington was that. There's a story of Washington uh, um, at Mount Vernon. Um, his home on the Potomac. I've been there a number of times, but there's a, the dining room area. I can see it in my head, and and he had a bunch of people there, and and uh, somebody uh, somebody had said something off color, and Washington dropped his utensil, his fork, and it clack, clatters on the plate, and he rebukes the guy uh, right in front of everyone, gently, and but firmly, and says, "Look." Uh, I thought I thought we were gentlemen here. Let's act like gentlemen. Gentlemen, that's a paraphrase. That's who he was. His mm. his soldiers didn't swear. He he would re, he his soldiers were not allowed to to swear. Mm. Now imagine that today. <laughs> uh, but anyway, all right. So uh, uh, we're going to do the uh, last segment on etiquette. We'll be back in just a minute. And uh, Pastor hasn't seen these, so I'm going to read the next five. We'll do five every week, and we'll do them right after this. Welcome back to Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, Brian Leversee, Pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in the room also. We're going to finish up, folks, with this uh, weekly etiquette discussion from talentcountrymag.com. So we did the, we did the first five a couple weeks ago. The second five you and I did last week, and so we'll go to number 11. Let me just give them a couple. Folks that haven't heard of this yet, maybe. So number nine, I'll give them two from last week. Number nine was learn people's names. Number 10 was handwrite thank you notes. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: really is a good With your quill and <laughs>
1: – Yeah, I give my uh, – Number 11, put your smartphone away during meals. Oh, yeah. Hey, have you – I don't know if I said this last week. I was an Outback. This was a year ago or so. A family of five, all sitting next to each other in the uh, uh, waiting room, waiting to get in, because you always have to wait to get into outback All five of them looking straight at their phones, having a discussion. <laughs> They're all talking. That's They're how good we've gotten around the table. I don't- no, this is in the waiting room. They're on oh, a bench, the so they're okay. all, they're all uh, lined up next to each, sitting next to each other, not looking at each other oh, because good. they're all sitting next to each other, and they're all having a discussion about whatever's on their phones. But at least they were talking. Uh, so that's where. Put your smartphone away during meals. Yeah, that's a go. Number 12, uh, be on time.
0: That is so important. Punctuality says a lot about it, how you value another person, I think.
1: Yeah, that's true. And... Uh, I noticed last last week I was late to our uh, recording. This time I got in here at the exact moment. But I beat you. Yes, you did. Okay, but you also <laughs> work here. <laughs> <laughs> Number 13, clean up after your pet.
0: Oh, that is, isn't that annoying, though, when you oh, go out to get goodness. your mail or something okay, and you're walking in your like yard and us. it's like, blah.
1: So after, this happened two, week, two weeks ago, and I, I didn't see the people – Bring their dog by, but I saw what love was left. Yeah, I saw what they left <laughs> a little for deposit for you. So, guess, ask me if I've been uh, looking out the window trying to catch them <laughs> because when I catch them, I will uh, be reading uh, the Bible to them uh, <laughs> certain verses. Clean up after your pet. That's a good one. Number 14, always RSVP. I am the worst in the world I think it's at RSVP. You
0: know, you get sent the invite or whatever and you're like, "Oh, I'll get back with them." And life hits you and it's just hard to remember.
1: Yeah. Well, we and, and when you're when you're in politics, man, you get invited oh, oh, to I everything. Bet. I mean, things that people invite you to things they know you're not going to come to, you know, it's over in the Eastern Panhandle or during, down in Charleston when sessions are on, so Uh, So I've gotten in the habit of not RSVPing because I assume they know that we're not coming. Right. (laughs) So it's not a good habit because sometimes you need to RSVP because, like, to a wedding or something, they need to know how many. Number 15, ask before posting. So a lot of of people, that's going to go over a lot of
0: people's heads. You know, it's like, what in the world? Ask before you post. But yeah, that's a big deal. You know, it's like if uh, if you've got uh, a baby on the way and you share that with uh, a relative, but you haven't shared it with the other relatives and they just go post it on Facebook before you get a chance to tell them that can cause a lot of trouble.
1: Um, And and, uh, there's, there's a whole lot of media social media etiquette that that folks Mm -hmm. should learn there's one thing i've learned the hard way and i've not always been good about this but i'll get into battles on facebook just because Mm -hmm. of you know being in a a political figure but uh uh, and in texts have this this same uh characteristic about them too you don't you don't know the tone right. that you're sending. I mean, you know the tone you're sending, but the people that receive it don't know the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you infer the a intent. lot. Yeah. The, and so you can receive a text and think, well, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. You know. So I think clarity is very important in a text, and forgiveness is too. If you, you know, it's easy to get offended by a text or something on social media when the intent wasn't to offend you. Right. It was just simply to uh to say something or make a statement but uh anyway so let's go over them and then we're out of here uh number 11 put your smartphone away during meals hear that folks put those smartphones away (laughs) give me a break everyone everyone's gonna and i'm 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 uh, guilty of that myself number 12 be on time number 13 clean up after your pet Number fourteen, always RSVP. Number fifteen, ask before posting. So these are every culture needs uh, uh, a common courtesies that everybody understands. And I'm, I'm reading a book, Pastor, on uh, on the common law. The common law is 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 basically the law that comes down from the from the courts. Hmm. The common law has a history of going back into the like the 11th, 12th, 13th centuries, and uh, in England. Okay, so a lot of the common law just comes from just common courtesies that are that are set up as as guardrails and fences in, in a in a culture. Mm-hmm. You know, say, say please, say thank you. Uh, uh, don't steal your neighbor's stuff. And please and thank you aren't law, but but obviously you know don't steal your neighbor's stuff. Don't don't move the uh, uh, landmark. Right, you know, this is your land. Don't move it over into their land. Don't don't take their stuff. And it's uh, uh, the 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 common law is, is rooted in in scripture too. Natural law, these laws that that uh, God has put in our heart mm-hmm. and in nature that we don't even really necessarily need. The law of God to understand. I mean, you can go, you can go anywhere in the world, and the 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 golden rule mm-hmm. will be. A, will we work. have a we have
0: a conscience, and that's what points right? us to the fact that yes. we were created because our conscience always directs us back to our Creator.
1: Indeed, it does. All right, so we'll do we'll do more of those next week. Those are uh, those are always fun to do. We got fifty of them, so I'm sorry, folks, uh, we're going to be doing these for a while. We might. We hey, that might, just
0: means we need to learn. Manor, manners are important, though. Manners Even are the Bible. Very important speaks about our manner of living
1: yeah yeah and manners are all about uh, others others and self denial mm-hmm. yeah it's not about you it's like uh, i saw the other day somebody's uh, uh the bible's not about you yeah all right. who's the bible about The Bible's about the lord right? right and we get to go along we get to come along if we believe in the lord jesus christ i shall be saved all right, we're done for the day. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. State Senator Mike Gazinger Pastor Brian Leversey. We'll be back next week. Lord willing. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Have a great week. I will choose to.